Hey, boo. It's me, Roz. How are you? I'm great because it's another listener phone call extravaganza. My favorite shows because I get to talk to you, my listeners. Do you want to be on one? Oh my God, you totally should. You know what to do. All you got to do is send me bullet points of your ghost stories or any kind of paranormal stories. And just put in a subject line of an email, listener episode, send it on over to ghostedbyroz at gmail.com. And then you could be like these stars I got to talk to today. Tyler is on the show, who's got some just incredible, terrifying stories about living in a haunted house as a child. I also got to talk to Grace. Grace has got an experience that made a partner a believer. One of my favorite types of stories. Holly worked in a spooky restaurant. I mean, we got stories for days today. Next week, I'm so excited because I'm going to be rejoined by Mackenzie Goodwin and Rachel Scanlon, who were actually just on the show a few months ago. But They were so funny. I got so many messages from people telling me how hilarious they were on the show. I'm like, you know what? Some of these people that are just so damn funny and so good on the show, I should just have them on as as regulars, you know? Just every every few months, check in with them. I'll prepare some stuff. We'll talk about it. We'll laugh about it. So that'll be coming at you next week. All right. Anyway, let's just get into this month's listener phone call extravaganza. On with the show. Tyler in Austin, Texas. How are you? I'm so good, Roz. How are you? Uh, Couldn't be better. It's a listener phone call extravaganza. And from what I'm told from this email, you've got some ghost stories several okay where do we start we'll start with the one i called the big scary uh it's- i love it when when people have like a title <laughs> for their ghost story that's when well, you, you know it's you've rehearsed this before this is not a dress rehearsal this is the performance you've told this story i have a feeling a full-out production okay i'm ready give me some theatrics Okay, so we start in 2007. Great year for music, terrible year for fashion. Okay, wait, I don't have a song queued up, but what would we play in 2007? We have a song. (laughs) What would 2007 be? What was the music in 2007? One second. It's telling me here. Sweet Escape by Gwen Gwen Stefani. Hell yeah. Featuring Akon, don't forget. Um, okay, here we go. 2007. Umbrella. Irreplaceable by Beyonce. 
and a ghost There's story. So many. I know. It's too much to choose. Big girls don't cry by Fergie. Okay, tell me a ghost story. Okay, so we start in 2007 in the suburbs of Kansas City. My family had been living um, in this new house that was built in the late 60s. We'd been there for a few months and um, things were just starting to get kind of strange. But my very first experience, it was the biggest, one of the scariest moments of my life, honestly. Um, we had all just come back from this little arcade family night out. It was cute. I had won a bunch of like little toys. We got home and I was carrying them all in my arms. The light switches in the house were really high and I didn't want to set anything down to turn on a light switch. So I was like, I'll brave it. I'll climb the dark or I'll climb the stairs in the dark, even though at the time I was very, very scared of the dark. Mm-hmm. So I climb up the stairs um, and up at the top in the ha- the hallway where all the bedrooms were was super, super long. There was no natural light. It was very, very dark. Terrifying. Right. So I get up to the um, hallway and I turn to my left to head to my bedroom. And I can see way, way down at the very end of the hallway, what should be a blank wall is a figure, a small, probably about my height at the time, but a small, what appeared to be woman standing at the end of the hallway. I couldn't make out any features. It was just the blackest black I've ever seen in my entire life, just standing there. And I was frozen, completely frozen in fear. And I stood there for what felt like an hour. And honestly, it was probably 15 seconds but I just stood there staring and blinking at it. It did not move. It didn't, nothing. So I knew I got to get out of there. I got to get to my bedroom. But the only way to get to my bedroom is to run straight at this thing. No. Yeah. So I muster all the courage I have in my tiny little body and I run straight at it, beeline right to my bedroom. I flick on the light, set down all my stuff, and all the rest of my family is downstairs. Well, I don't want to be alone, trapped by whatever is outside in my bedroom. So I pump myself up, taking deep breaths, and I peek my head out into the hallway. And I've I've never heard someone say this whenever they have a ghost story experience, but Roz, I swear to you, it was still there. No, that's you're she's supposed to be gone, gone, right? No, still there. So I book it out of there. I ran back down the hallway, down the stairs, and past uh, her. No, okay, so <laughs> didn't have to go past her. Thankfully, she was down on one end, and I was running towards the other, right? Okay. Um, but yeah, I ran downstairs. I never, ever saw it again. Did you tell your parents? Oh, of course. I ran downstairs. I was like, I didn't know what I saw, honestly. All I I could say was, I think I saw a ghost. And, um, I remember my mom just being like, oh, okay. All right. Come to find out later she had already been experiencing wacky, crazy things in the house as well. Mm, she knew. She absolutely knew. Uh-oh. 
So do you think she was trying to keep it a secret from you as a kid? I think so, as to not, you know, it was, um, it was quite a few of us in the house. Uh, it was me and my younger brother, and then uh, my cousin was living with us as well, and we were all very close in age. I think at the time I was like eight, and they would have been like seven and six. So I think it was to not scare us, but... I mean... Okay, so what what else about this house? Well, I mean, there was honestly so much. We only lived there for um for 9 months before it was honestly just too much to handle. Uh so but so much was happening. Um so you guys moved because of the ghosts. It wasn't the only factor, but that was probably factor number 1. Absolutely. What? Yeah. Why didn't you yeah. guys try to sell this as a horror movie or a book or something like the Amityville people? Fiercely private family, honestly. <laughs> and too, you know, it's kind of traumatizing um, when you experience it all. And you, I feel like a lot of people experience so much like self-doubt. Well, what if it wasn't bad? And you know, mm. and you have so many people who doubt it because there's so many people who don't believe in ghosts and think it's all made up and whatever. And so it's hard to um, it's hard to tell your story sometimes when you have constantly people in your face telling you, no, that's not. No, it was this. It couldn't have been that, you know, I know. I know. I have to remember that not everyone wants to monetize their trauma. Like <laughs> <me>. <laughs> well, I mean, we're here telling the story now. Enough time has passed. Maybe it's time. Well, then tell me more about this house. Okay. So, so do you know your parents' side of the story? Yeah. So um, my mom was probably the primary, like, I don't want to say victim, but, you know, I would say she probably experienced the most of anyone in the house. There was um, one of the very first things that happened. Actually, she got trapped in the basement. Uh, there was no one else home. I'm not sure what they had had delivered, but I know they had delivered like a huge crate. Um, super duper heavy. She was down in the basement and that crate was next to the uh, basement door. She was down there like working or whatever. She went upstairs to get a snack and she's trying to open the door. Next thing you know, she can't, she can't open it. So she had to call my aunt to come home from wherever she was. And she discovered that the crate had somehow moved from where it was next to the door. And this thing weighed like, from what I was told, 50 75 pounds like it was huge right and it now, was moved it... to the in front of the door that's correct you these stories are stressful Listen, story, imagine are, this is so it. scary oh it gets scarier so um there was a window above my mom's bedroom um it had been an attic that was accessible through the hallway, um, kind of at like second floor level. It's hard to describe, but it was a convert. It was converted into a bedroom, and there was uh, super tall ceilings, like fourteen, fifteen feet, and way up at the top there was this little octagon shaped window. No one could reach it, but it would open all the time. 
Like they had to call people out to climb up onto the roof to close it. It was opening all the time. This lady was flying up there. I'm not even convinced that it was just one because she also said that um, she would lay in bed at night. And this started happening around uh, New Year's time. So she would lay in bed at night and out of nowhere, she would hear really, really intense fighting and screaming. And then it would just stop. And then you would hear someone just like absolutely shredding electric guitar. There's no electric guitar in the house. I mean, that's kind of cool. I mean, that would have been kind of cool too. But like, imagine laying in bed and it's like 3 a.m. And you hear just like this insane screaming and fighting over like electric guitar. Yeah. Like, where is that coming from? And the houses were spaced very far apart. So it's not as if. Like, all the neighbors were quite a distance. It's not as if it could have been someone next door. What? I know. So what about other people in the house? Did they have these experiences? Yes. So um, my dad recalls very specifically, down in the basement, there was, um, like, a Murphy bed. Do you know what that is? What is that again? It's one of those beds that folds up into the wall. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So there was one of those down in the basement and he'd slept on it quite a few times. And he used to complain all the time that he would like be woken up by what felt like a cat jumping up onto the bed and walking around onto the bed. We had no cat. We had a dog who used to sit, like, in the kitchen and trail something. Like, just watch and scan the counter back and forth and back and forth. Like, there was something taunting her. But no cat. I live in California, and we don't really have basements here. And being away from basements for so long... I know a lot of people that listen to this podcast live in basemented areas. <laughs> if you have one that you already use, great, whatever. If you move into a new place, don't go down there. I don't care. Don't. Nothing good happens in a basement. Oh, absolutely not. There's no basements in Texas, and I'm thankful for it. Because all they're there is just to be evil. Yes. Unless you're, like, a teenager and, like... <sighs> I yeah, I, a lot of things happened when I was a teenager in basements so that were not too bad. But <laughs> but I'm just gonna say, don't go down there. No, and this basement was finished, so it shouldn't have been scary. But you would chill down in the basement. No, you're closer it, to hell. Right. Well, right. You chill down in the basement in this house, and there could be no one home. And all of a sudden, and these stairs would creak so bad when you walked down them. It was unmistakable when someone was coming downstairs. You'd be downstairs in that basement all alone, and those stairs would just start creaking. What is the history of this house? Well, you know, I actually tried to look it up, um, but the house obviously predates the internet. And um, 
So from what I was told, uh, my parents had actually hired a uh, landscaper, like little crew or whatever. And uh, they had come out and worked on the house. And one of them had left. He became like a cable guy, which seems irrelevant to the story. But he actually ended up coming back out to do some like cable work on the house or whatever. And my mom was like, oh, you know, I I recognize you. You used to come and uh, do like the lawn and stuff. He was like, yeah, you know. Um, my mom actually lives down the street from y'all and she was like a sheriff in the seventies. And uh, she had told me that there was a murder in this house. We're like, what? Cause that had never been disclosed previously to us. We also didn't own the house. We were just renting it. So I don't know what the laws are about telling, you know, new renters mm-hmm. about deaths and possible ghosts. But as the story goes, apparently sometime in the late 60s, early 70s, um, a couple had moved into the house and the husband had killed his wife in it. And the cat? The cat? Uh, oh, 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 oh. There was a pet cemetery in the backyard. Well, there you go. Yep. Oh, my God. This is one of the scariest haunted houses I've ever heard of. I feel a little honored to have said that or for you to have said that. This is scary. This is, this is true horror movie. The cable guy tells you that there was a murder there. I don't know why I'm just real stressed out by this house. Um, is there anything else? Um, I mean, there, there's just so many other things. Um, there was one day when uh, I was home alone with my brother and my cousin. We were upstairs watching whatever, and I had gone down to the kitchen uh, just to like get a snack or something. And I was standing at the refrigerator, and out of the corner of my eye, you could see through a few rooms um, from that like vantage point. And out of the corner of my eye, I could see someone very unmistakably a very tall dark figure standing in the doorway a few rooms over and i glanced over it was gone but i'll never which is very funny because it does not follow the same suit as a low ghost girl upstairs mm-hmm. but but it was spooky wait did the man take his own life oh you know what that's possible. I don't know. I've never heard that. I, I tried to look it up, but I think it's going to be one of those things where you have to like really look in the papers and right. search, you know, um, library catalogs. So, but that's possible. I'm not sure. Somewhere. Oh my gosh. And I wonder why some ghosts appear that way. What is that like, all about? like dark figures? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. You know, in movies, it's always kind of portrayed like that, like they're the malicious ones. If it's just like a dark, um, unrecognizable, faceless figure or something like that, Mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's more malicious. But I don't know, honestly. Put something on, you know, like they're probably (laughs) it's like you're in the ghost, you know, headquarters. It's time for you to go out there and do to get to work. Yeah, and it's like put on some accessories. Those I think they're just the ghosts that are like, eh, you know, I don't really need all that. Am I gonna wear a hat today to bother this little boy? I don't need it. 
Yeah, they're just like, yeah, I don't care. I'm dead. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, Tyler, do you have any other stories? I mean, honestly, Roz, we could do this for hours. I know we don't have that time, but we could do this forever. Um, a paranormal investigator came out to the house. Give it to me! So my uh, parents had gone to Chicago and done like a little ghost tour while they were up there because Chicago is such a haunted city. And um, after the tour, she was talking to the tour guide. It was put on by like a paranormal investigation team up there. And wait a second. Do your parents lived in the most haunted house in America and they spent (laughs) their vacation going on a ghost tour? I know, right? Like, who does, like, like you, oh, you want to see more ghosts? Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't sound like a vacation, but okay. I know, it just sounds stressful. So, um, yeah, well, they had done that while they were up there. Um, and they had talked to one of the uh, people leading the tour, and it's, we're like, hey, we have some weird things kind of going on, like, in our house. Do you think... Do you like know like anyone in the Kansas City area who could possibly come out and check it out? And they were like, actually, yeah. So they put them in contact with um, a paranormal investigation team in Kansas City who had uh, come out and kind of just scoped out the house. And uh, they checked out the basement in the first floor and they were like, okay, nothing too crazy is going on over here. They went upstairs and they were like, can I cuss on this? Yes. They were like, holy fucking shit. Something freaky is going up there. So um they they claimed that they played with the little ghost cat. And um they said they weren't necessarily able to pick up anything specifically discernible, but like they weren't able to like really get into communication with anything. But they said uh there's quite obviously some sort of like poltergeist type energy going on up here. Was it, were there other types of activity where things would move around or? Yeah. Yeah. So um, the story that my aunt tells all the time since she was living in the house as well, um, she had said one of, uh, I want to say it was one of like the first days that we were living there, actually. She had gone upstairs um, to her room. She had closed the door behind her. And as soon as she closed it, she watched her purse fly off the dresser and onto the floor on the complete other side of the room. All right, then. Yeah, it it is. It just keeps going. I can't believe we lasted that long there, honestly. Yeah, nine months. Damn. I wonder how many people moved in and moved out. Wait, do you have? Oh no. Well, I don't know if this was rental, but like, if you look at Zillow, I think it'll say like who moved, like how long people lived. Yeah, so interesting to see if like it's all just like. Five months, nine months, like, I don't know. Yeah, um, so I, I've i gone back and looked at it, actually. And 
it looks very different now. It's been like all renovated and stuff like that. So I don't know what's kind of, I don't know what's going on there. I, um, I know after we lived there, some like college students had moved in or something like that was the story I had heard. And I think they may have, may, might have lived there for maybe like a year before they moved out. And eventually the house was sold. I know that. And um, what happened to it after that? I'm not sure. But I actually do have a good, like, um, one, like, last experience that ties up the story pretty good. Give it to me. So um, it was towards the end of, uh, of the school year and towards the end of us living there. We, um, we had gotten up and gotten ready for school. We were sitting down eating breakfast. And my brother, who, like I said, was, like, six years old at the time, was rubbing his eyes and yawning a lot. My mom said... Uh, are you okay? What's wrong? Did you not sleep well? And he said, no, I couldn't sleep last night. And she said, well, why not? And he said, the people in my room wouldn't stop talking to me. It's bone chilling. Yeah. Bone chilling. Yeah. My bones have goosebumps right now. Right. So would you say every single day something went down? I don't know. You know, it, it happened. um, It happened so long ago that the, the big things are very clear in my memory. I wouldn't say maybe every day, but I would say probably towards, uh, towards the like end of us living there. It was several events a week. You need to write a book or something. I've always wanted to, but I'm a terrible writer. <laughs> get a get a ghostwriter. A ghostwriter. <laughs> I've been ghosted too. Grace from Chicago. How are you? I am good. How are you, Roz? I'm so good. I'm told that I- you've got some stories. You've never told them on a podcast, and I'm honored to be the first one to ever hear these. What have you got for me? Well, I have a few, but I guess I will start with one of my kind of spookiest. It's made my partner a believer. Okay. So we were taking a road trip to Charleston, and we found this cool, um, like, treehouse in Kentucky that we wanted to stay on the way there. So it was in a really small town um, called Germanstown, Kentucky. And we thought it was super cool. So we pulled up and um, there was another old house on the property. And the owner of the Airbnb was at that house and she was fixing it up. And we just said hi. And, you know, she was kind of telling us a little bit about the tree house and that she was fixing this other house on the property up as well to do, um, as an Airbnb, but she was having some issues. Um, said there was just like unexpected stuff that was kind of going wrong there. So she said she thought it was kind of something spooky. Um, <laughs> and my then boyfriend now fiance spoke up and was like, Oh, she's into spooky stuff. Like, let's check it out. So I'm like, okay. So we, go into this um, house that she's fixing up on the property 
And immediately, like when I walked in, I could feel it was really heavy and just kind of felt off in there. Um, like didn't feel like a happy, happy energy. So I kind of felt spooked out, felt like I couldn't breathe great. Um, so I kind of wanted to get out of there. And after we got out, my boyfriend said that he felt like he saw something in front of his eyes, like his eyes kind of like got blurry, but he was like, I don't think it was anything. And I was like, no, there's definitely something in that house. Like I, I would believe it. And so I kind of talked to the owner a little bit more trying to figure out what was going on. And she said that there was, um, a woman who lived there named Elizabeth and she lost amazing name. I know Elizabeth. So she lost a daughter and was really traumatized by it and had another kid and named that kid after the first kid that had passed away and kind of like dressed this other kid up as the first kid that passed away. It was kind of like a weird, sad story Uh about this woman. It was just like, oh, that's why it felt really heavy in there and like, maybe not like a super happy energy. Um, So I felt like it was this previous owner that was in the house. And I definitely was like, I believe you. And my partner kind of was like, you know, he's like, yeah, she believes in that stuff, but wasn't really taking much stock in it, even though he said he personally experienced something. So I was like, okay. So anyways, we, we listened to her story. We're like, okay, a little spooked out. I believed in it, but I could kind of push it to the side. My boyfriend did her boyfriend then didn't believe it so we went and checked into our tree house and the the owner left we checked into the tree house put down our luggage we were going to go back to the car and get some groceries so we go back to the car and hop in it's a little bit like dusk now getting dark um not great wi-fi signal around here either like i said it's a very small town we go to turn on the car and it starts stalling and it does something that I've never seen a car do. So the, the turn signal started clicking, the locks started going up and down and the dash was like blinking. And so there was like sounds going on from the, the turn signal. So it was like, click, 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 click. Things were flashing. And then the car just died. And since we were doing this road trip, we had put in a brand new battery literally two days before this road trip. So I completely believe that it was Elizabeth making her presence known because as soon as that happened, my partner freaked out, said, I totally believe, I totally believe, but the, the car was completely dead. We had no service. We were kind of stuck there and somebody had to drive by and jump the car. But if I don't, I felt like we were kind of trapped there. If somebody else wouldn't have driven by, we would have been stuck with no car, no cell service in a little town in Kentucky because he did not acknowledge Elizabeth. That is so scary. That car, that was death by poltergeist. Literally. I've never, it's, it was like a movie. It was like something that you, would only see on TV. Like I, I would say somebody was lying if I heard them tell me that. Something I about swear- the locks going up and down creeps me out. Like that feels really like something. Yeah, and it was all 
simultaneous and then all just stopped at one time and the car was just completely dead. So, so you guys ended up staying the <laughs> night though, right? We did stay the night, but my partner did not sleep at all. He was so scared. <laughs> he And he is a total believer now. That was This was years ago when we had first started dating. Um, we're engaged now. So we've been together for about 10 years. So he definitely, he's been with me long enough that we live in a now haunted house. So he, he believes now, but that was the first, um, like he couldn't deny that there was no, there was no way that we could have done that. That's the best. I wish that for any believer of this stuff, that's dating someone that doesn't necessarily believe in it. I wish that you all get to have that moment where you go, okay, now we can move this relationship to the next level. Exactly. He stuck around, so it didn't scare him off. So what's going on with the place you live now? So the place we live now, um, we found out after we bought it, of course, that unfortunately somebody took their life here. And I have felt that we've had regular comings and goings, and I think it's of this spirit. We've heard like a disembodied cough and like male voice that's a little bit Joe Pesci-ish. So it's like... (laughs) And we're in Chicago, so it's not like a Chicago accent. It's it's a little bit it's a little bit different. But yeah, we've heard a, a cough, disembodied voice. I've been downstairs um in the basement and thought my my fiance came home and w- didn't come down and say hi to me and was all annoyed down there. Like he's been home for a half hour walking around upstairs doing stuff and hasn't come down to say hi to me. So finally was like, all right, whatever, and went upstairs he wasn't home. Nobody was home. Um, so we hear footsteps. We've, uh, we've had doors lock on their own. We've had our hood vent for our stove go off by itself. Like, and it, a lot of stuff will happen in like one week and then it will kind of be a few months, but it feels like it's that kind of, I don't know who else would be connected to the house. Do you know when the man lived there? He lived here in, I, I think that maybe like the sixties. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, I had I had heard the story from a neighbor and didn't believe it um, because this neighbor is not very credible. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so but we were standing outside one day and um, a car actually pulled up and it was the guy that grew up in the house and he was now an adult and owns a business in the city and was just coming by to reminisce. And we were out front and he introduced himself and um, hadn't been in the house since he was a kid. And he's now in his like fifties or sixties. And um, so we, we invited him in and walked him around and he got really emotional and wound up telling us that that did in fact happen. (laughs) So we, he got it, he confirmed it for us. Um, but I didn't tell him anything about like the comings and goings because I just felt like that might be too much. Oh, so he like knew the person. It was his dad. Wow. Yeah. So when you say that you hear the disembodied voice, do you hear words or is it just sort of Joe Pesci mumbles? Yeah. So it was recently when I heard the Joe Pesci voice because we've heard like kind of like a deep cough, like a somebody like clearing their throat before. But um, just recently I was in the basement, which is where his workshop used to be and where I do laundry now is kind of like 
where that workshop used to be. So I was doing laundry and heard like talking. I couldn't make out the words, but it was loud enough to where I could hear, like, I thought somebody was talking to me and like perked up and was kind of trying to place it. But, um, yeah, I couldn't make out any words, but I felt like it was like, kind of like frustrated or like saying like, Hey, like, like kind of directing something at me. And then once I perked up and kind of looked around it, I didn't hear anything else, but it, yeah, it's just so, it's so, um, random the timings. That's why I'm like, I don't feel like it's anybody that I could place that might be coming to visit me. Mm. Um, and I felt like that was weird because it was right in his works, his old workspace that I just heard that voice recently. So how do you feel about it? Do you, are you okay with it? Do you like, I feel okay about it just because I don't know. I, I kind of, I don't know. I don't feel like he's kind of doing anything to us. I feel like he's kind of just checking in on the home. Um, but if at any point I did feel like it was too much, maybe I would try to communicate with him or tell him, I don't know, but it hasn't become too much of an issue. I think if he stuck around here for the whole time that we have lived here, it would be really too much, like not knowing if my partner was home or if it was a ghost. But I think because it's only here and there, um, and in those short bursts where it's like something will happen one day and then something will happen the next day and the next day, and then it won't happen for a while. So I feel like since it's kind of consistent, I can deal with it. But if it ever becomes uh, too regular, maybe, maybe we'll, I'll have to figure something else out. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting how it just kind of happens a couple days at a time. Huh? Yeah. So what about, um, this story where you saw a full body apparition? That was a different ghost. That was a different ghost. That was the first thing that I ever had that made me I was, I was six. So I was too young to really know it was weird or out there, but after I, so, okay, that story, my friend, her grandma passed away. Um, I knew her grandma and after she passed away, she told me that she would kind of like think she saw her grandma or one night she remembered crying and feeling somebody hold her hand and felt like it was her grandma. And I was young at that point and didn't really believe her. And one day she and her sister were afraid to go upstairs and turn on the light because they were afraid they were going to see something. And I was didn't really believe them. So I was like, oh, I'll go turn on the light. So I go and walk up. Um, it was like a bi-level house. So it was just a few stairs. So I go walk up a couple of stairs and it was a hallway with two doors on the left and two doors on the right and one right at the end. And she walked out of one of the doors on the left, this full body apparition of her grandma, and was walking straight towards me. Like those little girls knew. They were like, we're not gonna do it. <laughs> yes. And I ran screaming out of that house and never doubt anybody ever again because yeah, they were telling me the truth. So and it was it was really validating because I did know her and so I was like that is I know who that is but she's not here so and it was kind of like how people describe it like she actually was very detailed but she was wearing like a long white gown and was um like detailed but transparent I could see through her and the only part that wasn't fully formed was her feet 
So she was like coming towards me in like a the same pace as somebody walking, but she was kind of just like floating towards me. Yes. Yeah. White, and white gown and floating. That's that's the ghost uniform. She knew what she it, was doing. The classic. That's why I'm like, I'm I'm glad that that was my first experience because yeah, that was uh it was major and undeniable. What's the story about you playing Monopoly with a spirit? So that one, I won't share their name just because I, so I lost a friend when I was young to suicide and he was a really like kind of jokester kid and like a really lucky kind of kid, like playful energy. Um, but he, he took his own life. And a few months after that, I was playing Monopoly with my brothers, one of my brother's friend who also knew him and my mom. And we took out the game. We were going and before we started playing. My mom was like, oh, let's go through it. We always have kids in the house and games are ripped apart. And sometimes all, all the stuff is not there. So she pulled out the Monopoly cards and we were going through them. And our friend that was playing with us, he said, in honor of I'll say B in honor of B I'm going to, I'm going to call that I get boardwalk because when I have, whenever I played monopoly with him, he always got boardwalk cause he was the lucky one and he always won. So it was kind of like, it was sad because it was like, this is now he'll be able to get boardwalk, but it was a little bit in like homage, you know, for him. Mm-hmm. So we, we were going through the cards and one of them was missing. It was boardwalk. We really didn't think too much of it honestly. And I know that sounds kind of crazy, but when you're in the moment, like, you know, we were, we were just like, oh, we're missing a card. Um, and my mom's like, I have an old one up in my closet upstairs. I'll, I'll go grab the cards from up there. So we all left that room together. The kids walked into the kitchen. My mom kept walking upstairs, grabbed the other cards. We were in the kitchen. She came back through there, grabbed us, and we all walked back into that room together. And the boardwalk card was sitting in the middle of the Monopoly board. And we felt like that was his way of still getting boardwalk. That's amazing. Yeah. And again, undeniable. It's just nobody else was in the room. We all knew him. We all knew his kind of trickster energy. Mm -hmm. And it just made sense that he would bring that with him. And um. Yeah, that was a really wild story. And I'm glad that I, again, like the one with my partner, I'm glad that there was people there that could confirm and could also see like, okay, this is impossible, right? So I feel like we played, yeah, I feel like he still got boardwalk and it was just really cool for him to show up like that. Wow. Do you have any other stories? These are great. Thank you. Um, let's see. I, I did. Um, let's see. I wrote a few down. One other creepy thing. I used to nanny for a group of three little kids and the family lived across the street from a cemetery. 
And there was a few times where I for sure thought the parents came home and all the girls would like, you know, think like, oh, my dad's home. And then we wouldn't hear anybody else. And there would be stuff kind of moved around downstairs and kind of always weird stuff happening there. But um, I didn't feel comfortable bringing it up to the parents because we were a different religion. And I just didn't know. I didn't want them to think that like, I don't know. I just didn't want them to like judge me or something by being like, is your house haunted? Yeah, I get um, that. Yeah. But there was one day that I was standing in the kitchen and the youngest girl was like staring at me really um, like kind of confused and was like, hey, Grace, who's that man that's standing behind you? No. Yes. And it took all of me to not like leave immediately. Um, and I tried to be like calm and you could tell she kind of was thrown off once she realized that I couldn't see them. Uh, so she kind of stopped when I tried to ask like for more details, but it was like a completely out of the blue. We were like, just, you know, started staring at me very weird and it's like, who's that man sitting behind you? Um, so I definitely think there was something going on at that house too, but nothing that I could see, which I'm kind of thankful for. Um, because it, I don't know when she said that it just sounded too creepy. Like this guy standing behind me that I can't see. Like, I don't know. I don't like that. Oh my God. Oh yeah. I know. I'm so glad that nobody asked me to babysit any kids. <sighs> Cause creepy that's stories. too much for me. That's too scary. Yeah. Yeah. That one was really scary. I no longer with them and hope that nothing crazy is going on over there because it was a definitely something there's a ghost in my house holly in maine how are you hello i'm good how are you so good so what is the deal with this haunted restaurant you worked at okay so about 15 years ago uh here in maine um not sure if I should say towns or names or whatnot. We'll just leave that out. Okay. Um, it's the restaurant still exists. It's still there. Um, currently shut down. So I was working in the kitchen. Was it an Applebee's? And <laughs> no, no chain restaurants. Okay. There's not a lot of those. Yeah, this is pretty rural. Okay. <laughs> um, although it was in a downtown area, uh, restaurant lunch and dinner. So I worked in the kitchen and this was in the winter time. I would went in early to prep, get things ready. Place opened up at 10 and my sister was managing at the time. Uh, that's important to the story. Um, so she was supposed to come in at 10. I was getting in there at 6 a.m. Uh, I would make the bread, prep vegetables, whatnot. So I got in, put my stuff away. Fold, um, went across. So, okay, let me explain the restaurant. It's built all around a 1920s train car, cool. which is the bar. Yeah, it's a bar. Like it was in the day, uh, a train car, and it was very beautiful. It had like a marble bar top, hammered metal back wash, which I'd ask my sister for that detail because they just hid me out in the kitchen. I didn't know that part. So um, 
it was in re- the kitchen was behind on one side of the train car. And then the dining area was all around the other side. And at the very end of the building were the manager's offices and restrooms. So I went from the kitchen across the dining hall to the manager's office where there was a big chest freezer where we kept frozen meats and whatnot. And I was pulling that to thaw for the day. And I could hear across from the dining room, pots and pans clanging and banging in the kitchen. And I heard it. I thought maybe my sister had come in early. Someone was checking in on me. So I went back into the kitchen. No one was there. But the pots were swinging. You know how and they have racks you can uh-huh. hang pots on? Well, those all those things, pots and pans were swaying. I was pretty freaked out, but assumed like maybe someone had come in. So at that point, I'd only had one light on. Well, then I went and turned all the lights on. I checked all the doors, made sure everything was locked in the restaurant, took the meat to the sink, those big old stainless steel three-bay sinks to thaw, got the water running on it. And I'm just standing there kind of zoning out. And then all of a sudden, I just hear right behind me, behind my left ear, like a gasp mm. or a sigh, like, like, like letting air out. Someone. Yeah. So I flipped around completely. I just remember just being paralyzed in fear. No one was there. And I bolted out of that restaurant and I ran three blocks to my sister's apartment <laughs> and it was, there was snow on the ground and it was freezing dark winter morning. And I banged on her door at six 30 in the morning, woke her up and hysterically told her what happened. And had she had and experiences? No, not. I don't think at that point, like she knew what she was experiencing was part of this. So there's, there's some details at the, at the end of this. Okay. So um, but anyway, basically, so I wouldn't go back to the restaurant without her. I wouldn't go there alone. So she got dressed and went back to the restaurant with me and just started working. And she looked all around, nothing was there. And I, but I was just like, I told everyone, <laughs> like, I was just, I wouldn't, didn't want to be there alone again, like working. And so I didn't, I only worked there for a couple more months. It was like my winter side hustle. And I went back to my summer job and she stayed working there for another year, maybe. But in that year, I found out kind of afterwards, weird things started happening with her. And I'm going to get her text up so I can read it to you. So this is what she wrote to me. Um, We used to get cases of pint glasses for free from the beer distributors, and we'd wash them and put them in the shelf of the dining car. But later that day, some would be missing but not like one or two, like a dozen or more at a time. And I was opening and closing back then, so knew about any broken glassware. This happened a few times enough to be noticeable. Then during lunch hours, I would be walking through the dining room and smell strong cigar smoke, like someone was right there in the dining room. So I would go around to make sure no customers were smoking, check the bathrooms and back of house, then walk around the building to see if someone was outside smoking. And there was never anyone smoking or even a whiff of it outside, only in the dining room. And she said that happened twice. And then, so the owners of the restaurant, her sister 
um, is actually a clairvoyant and brought her in. She didn't tell her anything about what was going on, but they brought her in and she, and asked her to kind of see if she could sense anything. And it wasn't, that's not really her area of expertise. And I actually, I know this woman and I know a few people who have gone to speak with her and she mostly helps people communicate with, um, past loved ones. She's kind of, I guess that's kind of more what her, um, calling is for. Mm -hmm. But so they brought her in to this restaurant and she said that all she could sense was that there was a man attached to the dining car that the bar was in and he took responsibility for the glasses and then she's described him as being dressed like a man from the 1930s and was smoking a cigar. I mean, and yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. And like, for real, like this happened and my sister, I kind of was like, I moved on and, you know, got another job. But she told me about this like months later, like, yeah, it was, it's for real. Like the thing you experienced, we did also like weird things happened. And the owner, yeah, yeah. So that was pretty crazy. And it's still there, you know, it was. Then after I worked there, it turned into an Irish pub after that. And now it's closed down because unfortunately a lot of restaurants are closing down. But uh, hopefully whoever buys it will keep the train car in there. Why did, where did he put all the pint glasses? No one ever found them. Weird. Yeah. And actually, I think I remember my sister kind of being like, wow, like she's the owner's so mad at me because she thinks I'm taking these glasses. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. So that was, that's kind of the wildest thing that has ever happened to me as far as like closest to experiencing a ghost. Uh I've never really, I've never seen an entity, but yeah. Well, have you had other experiences? Yeah, there was this other time. Um, I mean, Maine is just spooky because there are so many abandoned farmhouses and barns all over the state. And especially along the coast, there's a lot of big summer houses, cottages, but they're really like giant mansions um, and old, really old. And I actually, I where I live on an island um, on the coast there's a lot. And I got one winter. I <laughs> didn't have anywhere to live. I was gardening for these people and um, really need a place to live. And they were like, oh, well, we need someone to live with our dog <laughs> uh, while we go on our yacht for the winter. So oh, nice. I live... <laughs> Yeah, it was a really absurd situation. Um, and so actually my my child was young at the time. So we lived there taking care of this dog. And um, we lived, it was a huge, huge house. Old, and it was built in 1895. Haunted. And yeah, uh, wicked haunted. <laughs> so uh, we lived in like the butler's quarters above the kitchen (laughs) um and the whole house is very nice um a woman had bought it in the 70s and turned it into a bed and breakfast and so there were you know lots of bathrooms and then the owners who had had it it was you know very authentically of the time because it was on the 
I think is on the national history, like registry of houses. So they, there was only so much they could do to modernize mm-hmm. it. So did they say to you, like, uh, just so you know, it is haunted anyway, have fun. We're going to be in our yacht. Uh, no, they just kind of, cause I, well, I asked if they felt anything, but they were very interesting people and, um, did like transcendental meditation. And I think they were just like, no, we've burned a lot of incense. Like we're good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. I don't think they were really open to it. So, um, I, they just were like, no, it's great. It's, it's, it's fine. It's totally safe. So yeah, the ghosts were I probably like, there. Oh, thank God they're gone. Some fresh meat right? around here. <laughs> so I moved in and you know, definitely like we didn't want to be in any parts of the house that weren't the lights weren't on and whatnot. So we were in this one end of the house and the rest of it was shut off. And there was this third floor um, part that had been turned into rooms, but I, I am not sure back in the early 1900s, I can only imagine like, like the servants must've had to sleep up there. A lot of these old houses, that's where this like maids lived so it just had these creepy vibes up there to me. And I never liked going up there because sometimes I go and explore the house, just kind of like walk around. And But I never would go on the third floor. It always creeped me out. So there was this housekeeper that would come by and check the house and dust every once in a while and check mousetraps. And we kind of stayed out of each other's way. She was a little possessive of the house. So... I always just kind of tried to stay out of her way. But every time she'd come over, I would see on the third floor, a light would be on. And I would only notice that in the night, I'd be outside walking the dog, Ollie, and I noticed this light on. So I went up twice. I, I noticed she had left it on. I went up twice and shut it off. And the third time she left it on, I was just kind of like, you know what? I don't want to go up there. It's so creepy. I'm just going to leave it on. Like, it's, she left it on. Whatever. I'll leave it. So, and she would come over, not a lot, maybe once or twice a month. But then finally, in the middle of the winter, I got a text from her asking me to please make sure I shut the lights off when I go upstairs into the third floor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, I saw the text and I'm just thinking, I didn't, I was just like stunned. Like what, why is she doing this? Like, it's not me, it's her. So I just wrote back like, got it. Thanks. And then when I got home that night, the light was on in the third floor. And I'm like, she was just there today and probably turned it off thinking I left it on and that it was back on. So then I, I didn't, I never, I just left it on. If it was on, it was on. And she didn't like me a lot, you know. I don't know if it was because I she thought I always left the light on or what, but I was just like, it's not me. It's not me doing this light. Because like if you go up there at night and you shut the light off, now you're in the pitch black and you're up there. Like, no. Ex- yeah, exactly. If it's on, it's so, on. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, okay, whoever you are, if you want that light on, you you got it. Oh God. Have you ever had any yeah. other experiences? No, I mean, I I kind of like going into abandoned houses. <laughs> and I, ever since, you know, the first experience happened and then living in that old house, I'm more open to it, but I haven't seen anything. And sometimes I go into these old houses and you know, you can get good vibes or you feel like, whoa, 
like something went down here Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, and I don't want to be here anymore, but no, no, nothing like that. No, those were the two most intense. Like I felt like something was, was trying to talk to me. Yeah. Whoa. Well, Holly, thank you so much for sharing these. Yeah. Thank you. And, um, I just want to give a shout out to my mom um, because she, she, um, raised me to be a believer in UFOs because she herself had an experience when she was 11 years old. And I just want to say hi, Carol. I love you, mom. Wait, what is her story? (laughs) Can you tell her story? Yeah, sure. If there's time, I'm not sure. But, um, so she in Feeding Hills, Massachusetts, when she was 11 in, I think, 1967 or 68, uh, her bike route, uh, paper route, delivering paper with her sister, they saw a UFO above a cornfield, Feeney's Field, and were very petrified and scared. <laughs> and um, yeah, she always told us about that growing up. And my mom is a very practical, no-nonsense person, and I always believed her. <laughs> Whoa, they're probably out there making crop circles or something. Something, yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much to Tyler, Grace, and Holly. What an episode. Again, if you want to be on one, email ghostedbyroz at gmail.com, subject line, listener episode. Give me some bullet points. Not too short, not too long. I don't know, like a sentence or so about each little story, the kind of things that we would talk about. I would love to hear from you because I like doing these like once a month or so. Hey, are you subscribed to the show? Make sure you are. Make sure you're following it. Please rate it five stars. Send me a ghost story to read on the show. I've been doing that a bit more lately. So you could write one out and put it in a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Or you could just leave me a nice review just saying nice things. Or you could email me at ghostedbyroz at gmail.com with your listener, you know, just stories for me to read. Because I get it. Not everyone wants to talk to me and be on a podcast. You could just write it out and I'll read it. Just, again, also, not too long, not too short. Just, like, some a couple paragraphs at the most. Um, I'm on Instagram at Roz Hernandez. TikTok and Twitter at It's Roz Hernandez. And... I guess that's it for me. I love you all, both living and dead. But if I didn't ask you to haunt me, don't haunt me. Okay, bye! A podcast network.